What's going on, guys? Welcome to a special episode of Eastern Current. Michael's here with me. We've got a special guest. Um, we're not going to be talking about um, fishing tactics or anything like that today. We're going to be talking about a much more important um, issue that we're dealing with here in North Carolina, and that is just the, honestly, kind of the overall struggle of the resource of our fish being actually in the water for us to go out there and catch them. Um, you know, we, North Carolina is definitely far behind other states as far as looking at our resources um, the way they need to be looked at and we're mismanaging them um, and the numbers of flounder trout and redfish are just not where they should be um, and the recreational angler I mean I, I, I see it you know uh, we wouldn't really probably need this podcast if our fish numbers are where they should be you know, anybody would be able to go out there and catch some redfish trout and flounder pretty easily um, they're not there it's really not rocket science when you break it down um, but we have made it that here in North Carolina. So uh, excited about this podcast. Some people, you know, there's lots of different opinions out there, but I stand for the resource and for us having a sustainable fishery here in North Carolina. And I feel like most of our listeners can't argue with that. So uh, with that being said, I'm excited to bring on a good friend and guest, David Sneed of CCA. What's going on, David? Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm good, man. A little bit, a little bit tired. It's been a, a busy few days, and uh, uh, we've been hard at it. And uh, but excited. So appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do uh, do us a favor and just kind of share um, your backstory, your love for maybe fishing, and how it's brought you to this job that you that you've taken, and 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 kind of that whole you know background for for everybody. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was hired as the uh, executive director for CCA North Carolina back in uh, spring of 2014. Uh, before that, I'd spent most of my professional career in the construction industry. Um, so that was about the time when uh, you know I had gone through some uh, market downturns in real estate and uh, home building and things like that, and I'd really gotten burned out on the, the business side of the world. and this opportunity kind of presented itself out of the blue. I'd been a member of CCA for years and just happened to be talking to some guys about, you know, what was going on at CCA. And I think at the time they were looking for a new executive director and I said, well, you ought to apply for that job. And I said, well, you know, I'd certainly be interested in talking about it and ended up being a fit and uh, gave me an opportunity to, as I tell people, you know, I spent probably, you know, the better part of my first 50 years of my life trying to make a living and, can I, and I kind of look at the backside of my next 50 years of trying to make a difference. And uh, yeah. that's what I want to do for North Carolina and uh, do for the resource. Uh, like I said, I love to fish. I love to be out on the water. Uh, I love the outdoors. love to hunt. Um, so it's, it's it's a good fit for me, and it's it's a passion uh, for the resource. So it's for me, it's about, uh, you know, trying to change some of the things that have, have, have not gone the way they should in North Carolina on uh, fisheries management and uh, and really try to make a difference in the world. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's awesome, and it's it's a it's an awesome. Uh, uh, well, what I'm getting at is, in a lot of states, you know, your position, you'd almost be a celebrity and a hero. And here, for a lot of us, you are, but you take a lot of heat for yeah. um, a lot of us that aren't willing to stick our neck out there and really fight for the resource. Um, you know, if you were in Texas, people would be parading you around on, you know, in parades and whatnot. But in North Carolina, we're just a little behind the times. I think your time's coming for sure. I mean, I, to me, you're a hero for sure. Um, but I definitely appreciate you, you know, doing what you do and fighting for the resource because 
uh, frankly, I'm kind of tired of, and Mike's probably the same way, the conversations that come up at the boat ramp with all our friends every night complaining about the resource and the fishing yeah. and all this stuff and no one's doing anything. Like, um, you know, people love to complain and point fingers, but, you know, it takes a select few that actually step up and do something. So we want to thank you for that. Um, it's it's uh, yeah. it's cool. So, Well, I appreciate that. It, you're, you're exactly right. It's, you know, I kind of look at Texas and, and Louisiana and Florida. They're, they're the model for, you know, where we need to be. And, I mean, they've, they've, they've fought all those battles that, you know, years ago that we're still fighting. I mean, yeah. the things like, you know, game fish protection for important, you know, sport fish like red drum and, and speckled trout, you know, getting gill nets out of the inshore waters, getting trawlers off of our nursery areas. They've gone, they've done all those things and, and we can look at their their fisheries and go, I mean, they're world class. Yeah. I mean, people, people love to take trips to Texas and Louisiana and Florida to go fishing and that there's a reason yeah. for that. Definitely. And it's, and it's really hurting, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, being in the industry, it's, you know, we could be so much more than what we are. And it's, it's, but to your point, I mean, CCA has been, you know, the kind of the target, you know, we've, we've been out there fighting this, this battle for 30 years now in, in North Carolina. And, and we've always been the target. And we're always willing to do that. Um, you know, we're going to stand up for what we think is right. We're going to stand up for the resource, uh, put the resource up here. And then, you know, recreational fishing, uh, is 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 behind that? You know, if we take care of the fish, fishing's going to take care of itself. Yeah. Um, but but it makes us an easy target. And but like I said, somebody's got to do it. And you know, we know there's a lot of people out there that want to see change, and and we just want to give them the uh, the encouragement that they need to get involved and 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 get on board. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's let's kind of step into uh, maybe take us through what you kind of see the issues are that we're dealing with here in North Carolina. Um, and, and especially the, the issues that, that pertain to maybe the lawsuit that, that is taking place and kind of share that and go through that a little bit. Yeah. So we're, we're very excited about, uh, the fact we did file a lawsuit against the state of North Carolina, uh, yesterday, late afternoon. Um, it's something we've been working on since, uh, September of last year. So we've, we've put a lot of time and effort into putting together the, the, the actual complaint, the document that, that we filed with uh, the court yesterday. It's a 113-page document that outlines 30 years of, of struggles in our, in our fisheries management. And it's, it's, you know, we spent a lot of time making sure that we were factual. Uh, we've got data to back up what we're saying. And the interesting thing is a lot of our data and a lot of our, our information comes from the Division of Marine Fisheries. Um, so we're using their own data to, to, to paint a picture of what's going on. And the lawsuit, the lawsuit, the concept behind the lawsuit itself is, is pretty simple, really, when you think about it. It's, it's just something we never really uh, came, up, came up with as, a, as an avenue, a legal avenue for, for getting some change. But it's based on the public trust doctrine. And basically, that's uh, come from English common law, so it's you know hundreds of years old. Um, it's the basis for which our uh, constitution in North Carolina was was established. So, the concept of public trust doctrine, you know, predates even you know the state government in North Carolina. And what it says is, is that the wildlife resources, uh, the water, the navigable waters of the state, they all belong to the people of North Carolina. You know, and, they, and that's everybody in North Carolina. Yeah. They don't belong to anybody that lives on the coast any more than, than somebody that lives in the mountains. 
it certainly doesn't belong to recreational fishermen or commercial fishermen any more than it belongs to the, the general public. Right. And, and to take that concept one step further, the state is charged as the fiduciary for those resources. So basically the state just holds those assets, if you will, and they have a fiduciary responsibility to manage them for the benefit of the people that own them, for the people of North Carolina. And their responsibility goes beyond that. And this, this is enshrined in our state statutes and in our, in our North Carolina Constitution that they have to protect those assets, those resources that we own against damage and destruction. So it's kind of like if you think about if you've got a 401k plan or a retirement account or an investment account, you put that money into a trust account and you have a fiduciary, your investment advisor is a fiduciary that has a responsibility to look after those assets for you. And it's the same kind of concept. But what we think we've done a really good job of and we think we can present a case that the state has failed miserably in their responsibility to manage those assets, those trust resources for us and for our future generations. Just like your retirement account or your investment accounts, you're hoping that you're gonna build something there that you can pass on to your children. I mean, I know you've got a young mm -hmm. child now and you're you're probably already thinking about, you know, what's what am I how am I gonna help, you know, my family uh, have a brighter future and, and be prepared. And if you had a fiduciary that was not managing those assets and then all of a sudden you've got nothing left to leave your children, it's the same thing we're running into on our on our coastal marine resources. Yeah. And we can paint a picture of, you know, you can look at declining fish stocks, you know, overall, you know, the fish stocks in North Carolina have declined since 1997 when the Fisheries Reform Act was, was first passed into law. You know, we've seen species like spot, croaker, and weak fish, you know, decimated. You know, we're, we're at anywhere from 84% on spot and croaker down to their har the commercial harvest on uh, uh, weak fish on gray trout is 98% less than what it was in 1987. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, that's inexcusable. It's, it's undefendable. Yeah. And so our lawsuits based on, you know, those concepts, you know, you know, the state has a, a duty to manage these resources. We really look at it in three categories of, um, you know, the number one is, you know, the, the continue allowance of uh, the use of destructive gear in North Carolina that other states have, have already either severely restricted or banned outright. You know, we were talking about mm -hmm. Texas and Louisiana and Florida. Uh, you know, getting rid of gill nets and in inshore waters, getting rid of, rid of uh, otter trawls and in inshore waters. You know, the biggest damage that we see in our fishery comes from you know the weight, the wasted bycatch. You know, huge. gill nets. Anybody, anybody that's ever come across an unattended gill net at low tide, we've all seen the pictures of the fish that are left in there, just dead and rotting. Um, you know, the state knows. The state has known for years um, that we're we're wasting. You know, it's it's taken a huge impact on non-targeted species. So you got a flounder net in the water, and all of a sudden, you know, it's having a huge impact on red drum and striped bass. And uh, you know, striped bass is you know, you know, front and center right now. I mean, that's a, a huge topic in the Roanoke, Albemarle, and central regions, and even down in, in Cape Fear region. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, 
you know, we've got we've got the the gill nets, we've got the shrimp trawlers that we still allow, and we're you know we've got documents that from the division's own numbers that are showing that you know we're killing hundreds of millions of juvenile fish in shrimp trawls every year, and and the top three species that are killed and then some of them in the DMF studies have shown it's spot croaker and weakfish. Yeah. We just talked about the declines in those fish. Yeah. There's got to be a correlation there. <laughs> but we're not the state refuses to do anything about it. Right. You know, they keep instead they want to talk, talk about recreational discard mortality. You yeah. know? But we're you know, we we may be, you know, let's say it's even ten percent of, of release released fish are, are being killed in the recreational industry. But that does not even compare to the hundreds of millions of juvenile fish are being killed every year in shrimp trawls. Oh, yeah. um, beyond that, we're going to talk, we're going to target, we're going to uh, highlight uh, the overfishing. Um, the state has a, uh, we have state statutes that say all of our fisheries management plans have to have a, uh, a, a plan for ending overfishing within two years and fishery within 10 well, we can look at Southern Flounder as the poster child for mismanagement in that area. Yeah. We've known since at least 1989 that Southern Flounder has been overfished, but yet the state has lacked the political will to do what was needed to save that fishery until it got to be too late. And then we said we finally got to 2019, and what do we get faced with? You know, a, basically a, a closure. You know, yeah. we're having a yeah. moratorium. Uh, you know, we're. 45 day season in 2019 and 2020 for recreational harvest. Um, so those are the issues that we're going to look at. And, and the third one is uh, the fact that the state has not dealt with what we call latent commercial fishing licenses. Again, according to their, their own statistics, 60% of commercial fishing license holders don't report any landings on an annual basis. Oh. So you, you, you mean, so we don't know, are they catching fish on a commercial limit and just not reporting it? Are they selling it off the books? But obviously the result is our fisheries management plans, our stock assessments could be, you know, hugely underestimated and we could be, our stocks could be in way worse shape than they really are. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, the lawsuit, like I said, we've, we've, we've tried to educate um, the public over the years, we've tried to work with uh, legislators and, and the governor's office to, to educate them on these issues. Um, but the problem's always been the political pushback. You know, the, it, a, a lot of what you're going to hear out of this lawsuit is it talks about regulatory capture. Um, you know, when the, when the first Division of Marine Fisheries was created, it was actually called the Division of Commercial Fishing. And it was actually designed, you know, all those years ago before there was any wide-scale commercial fishing or any wide-scale recreational fishing it was designed to kind of build an industry on the coast where we had um, you know some impoverished areas and try to create some an economic uh, engine for these coastal areas well as time went by and you, you started to get sport fishing involved they changed the name to division marine fisheries but they've always held that sort of mindset they're first and foremost they're there to keep commercial fishermen fishing and we can't break we've never been able to break that political uh that political political bond there and get our legislators to do what needs to be done yeah we all know 
what needs to be done. I mean, we all know where the problems are. We all know what is causing a lot of these declines. And, but the pressure's always been there. Instead of doing what needs to be done, um, the, the emphasis has always been on what can we do to keep commercial fishermen fishing. Yeah. And we've seen that with, you know, the, the sea turtle ITP is a perfect example of that. And we knew that sea turtles were being killed in gill nets. Um, so instead of shutting down the gill net fishery, the state went and applied for an incidental take permit that allowed commercial fishermen to keep fishing gill nets. So that's, that's the uh, poster child for regulatory capture. Yeah. It's just, it's a frustrating circle that just keeps continuing and continuing and continuing. So, so tell me this, what have other states done and sorry, Mike, I, you, you probably have questions too. I keep interrupting. Oh, but. no, you're good. I will come back to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> what have other states done that has that have you know helped them push through these same issues and, and get through to the other side? Like, what have we not done that they have? Is it is it the way their system's set up? Um, is it you know? I don't know. T- tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In 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 most in most states, uh, change comes legislatively. It's going to have to be in the form of, of laws that are rewritten by the legislature. Okay. The only the only real example example of some other option that I can point to is the gillnet ban in, in Florida, and that was done by what was called a citizen referendum. And in North Carolina, we don't have that option. Now, the citizens in North Carolina can ask for a referendum to vote on whether we take gillnets out of the water, but it's got to go to the legislature to be approved. So you still have to go through the legislature to get it put on the ballot. In Florida, the, the law was if, if they got enough people that supported the referendum, they it was put on the ballot. And they put, got the Gillnet ban uh, put on the ballot, and it passed, I think, with over 70% of the population. Now, other states have gone, had to go through the legislature to get laws changed. Um, and we still feel like that's what's going to have to happen in North Carolina. But what we need the courts to do is provide the push to the legislators to do what needs to be done. Gotcha. At this point, again, the political will is not there. Uh, there's too much political pressure. And, it, and it's the crazy thing about it is you're talking about such a small percentage of the population of North Carolina controlling fisheries politics. I mean, it's yeah. insane when you talk about there's 10, almost 11 million people in North Carolina uh, that own these resources, and you have somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,500 commercial fishing licenses. And I just mentioned that 60% of those don't even report any landings on an annual basis. So you've got, you know, 2,500, 3,000 people that actually fish on a regular basis and report landings. Wow. And that's that's who's going to control, <laughs> yeah. you know, our political process and what needs to be done for our resource. Uh, so it's going to have to come through the legislature. We've, we've, and we've made attempts uh, there we've worked with the legislature in the past to to try to introduce reform bills, and the problem is we we got pushback from the executive branch. You know the the, the secretary of the Department of Environmental Quality and and his his department that controls DMF. I mean, you know they've actually fought us on some changes that we've tried to tried to inst, uh, instigate, and uh, so it's you know it's kind of frustrating, and we need that's why we need the courts to be able to to side with us and agree and again we think we can paint a pretty good build a pretty good case that uh, there's a lot of mismanagement going on we need to do something different if we're going to save these fish stocks 
I mean, th- there's no possible way to argue anything against what you just bet- said, especially with the fact that it was based off of their own numbers. You know, that's the yeah. kicker for the whole thing is it's like there's no arguing with it. It's just simple fact. And um, and y'all are just going off their numbers, which sound like they're probably incorrect in our favor. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, tell me this as a citizen of the United States or a citizen of as a citizen of United States and North Carolina. Yeah. Um, what can we do to, to make a difference? How can we help with this cause? How can we help overall? Like what can we do um, to help, help, you know, change things here in North Carolina? Well, it, the main thing that people need to do is, is be educated on the, uh, the issues. You need to be able to talk intelligently about what's going on. And, and we want to get away from the rhetoric. I mean, the, the, you know, every time we've tried to do something like this, anytime we've tried to get any sort of progressive change, the, the response from the commercial industry is always, well, we're just trying to feed the masses. You know, if you if you do what you want to do, you're going to put us out of business and you're going to, and people of North Carolina aren't going to be able to get seafood. So we got to get past that sort of rhetoric. And I should point out, you know, from the very beginning, this lawsuit is not, aimed at the commercial fishing industry. This is this is on the state of North Carolina. Commercial fishermen by and large are doing what the state allows them to do. You know, there's there's always bad apples that break laws on both sides. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, commercial fishermen are just doing what the state allows them to do. That's where the change needs to come from. Sure. Secondly, you know, we're we are at a point where our stocks are so depleted that the commercial industry is struggling as well because of what they're having to work with. So if we can get the fish stocks back up, it's going to benefit everybody. So the main thing that people need to do is get educated on the issues. Um, I need to mention the website. So our website is is, uh, ccanc.org. And so if people will go there, you can see we've got background information on, we've got a summary document on the complaint. It's the introductory section of it. It gives you the background on it. Uh, you can find the full, um, the full complaint, the whole 113-page document there. If you read that, you can't help but be educated on these issues, and and you can't help but walk away from it and go, "Damn, are we really? I mean, are we really yeah. letting this happen? I mean, is this really going on?" So you need to get educated on it. And you'll also notice when you look at the complaint, what we tried to do as we filed, got prepared to file this lawsuit. CCA is the lead plaintiff on this, and we're always going to be controlling on this as far as making sure that the attorneys uh, stay on track and and get paid. But we we went out and we recruited a a large number of individual co-plaintiffs in our coalition. So you'll see there's 86 people right now that are individual, what I call just, you know, Jane and Joe fishermen, you know, just the average citizens of North Carolina that own the resource. Because that's what this is all about. This is filed on behalf of the people of North Carolina that own the resource. So they, they're people from 29 different counties. Um, it's men and women, uh, minorities, uh, uh, folks that live on the coast and folks that live in the mountains. So it's, it's representative of the state as a whole. We want more people to join on. What we did to start with is we kind of did that kind of behind the scenes recruitment because we didn't want word of what we were getting ready to file to get out until we actually filed it. 
But there's an opportunity for people, if they're interested, just to contact me and let me know. We want to get, you know, by the time we go to court with this, you know, I'd love to have a thousand people on there because it's the people that own the resource. So you can, you can, you know, get, get educated, uh, become a co-plaintiff, um, and you can donate uh, to the cause. I mean, obviously, this has taken a lot of money. Uh, litigation's not cheap, um, but we did have a really good uh, opportunity to, to raise some money early on. Uh, we had some, some, some good supporters that uh, stepped up, and we're in good shape there, but it's going to be a battle. And we're gonna need we're gonna need to uh, to keep the finances coming in. Um, so that's basically the three things you'll see on the website. Yeah. There was one other thing that just went out of my head. Sorry, about that. <laughs> you're good. If it comes back, let us know. Uh, I think that's right. really cool that we can you know be plaintiffs ourselves and um, yeah. and that you know if if you're listening to this and you're one of the many people that has reached out to me complaining about this, take the time to read the 113 page document and really understand. The issues. I mean, I, I yeah. think that is huge, and, and I think that that you know supporting the the cause and becoming a plaintiff and um, being well educated and, and being articulate. I might not be the best, but I can I can I can try. Um, it is a great way to help. I mean, this is a time that we can really push and, and band together and, and make a difference. So that's cool. What do you think? Um, no, I <laughs> I was I actually. Um, I graduated from UNCW with a marine bio degree and minor in chemistry, and I worked for the state here out of the Wilmington office for about a year and a half, um, right out of school, and interned with them. One thing that always struck me when I walked through the door was there was a poster, and this was an older poster, um, and it said that our fishery was managed for monetary gains and then for the people, and it always, you know, for me, seeing the monetary part of it being kind of in the first part of it, or being the first thing that was listed, just always struck me as very odd. And I'm glad to see that we're finally getting to take that step and make that change now. Yeah. To, um, you know, really be able to do it for the people, definitely for the resource. So. Yeah. That, so the the you said the document is there on the website, correct? Yeah. Okay, that's right. and we can find that, and then reaching out to you. How would people do that if they if they decided, hey, I do want to you know become a plaintiff? Well, the easiest easiest thing to remember is my my email address again is pretty simple. It's just david at ccanc dot org. Uh, so if you want to email me, uh, give me your contact information, and we'll we'll be glad to send you back. We've got some summary documents and some <clears throat> you know, kind of an outline of what the expectations are. You know, it's kind of um, you know, you mentioned the economic part of it. One of the things that, you know, and I, I know Judd and I talked about this a long time ago. When we first started putting all this together, the question was, well, you know, do we do we get the industry behind this or, you know, do we get guides and tackle shop owners and all those to, to sign on? And and really, we, we we're trying to take all that monetary side of it out of this. You know, we, yeah. you know. If somebody wants to argue with me about the value of the recreational industry, I'm happy to do that because we're going to win that argument, you know, easily. But this is not about economics. This is about saving a resource that's in trouble. Yeah. Amen. And so yeah, that's the point. You know, we, you know, so we took all the the for profit people out of this. Um, again, you know, everybody that's signed on the lawsuit right now. That's why it's only CCA. Um, this is not a bunch of special interest groups. Not a bunch of environmental groups. It's a bunch of individuals that, that own this resource. And again, you know, a lot of this stuff's in trouble. And if and if we don't do something now, 
you know, we're, you know, when we get to the point where our fisheries managers are telling us that we got to close down a fishery to save it, you know, we got to have a moratorium. That's a failure in management. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just never should have gotten there. It never should have gotten there. The warning signs were there. You know, Michael, I said, if you were in, if you were my, if you were marine biologists, you know, Oh yeah. The science, the science isn't exact, but it's, it's pretty telling, you know, and you can Definitely. tell, you know, when we're getting to the point, you know, Southern flounders, that, that great example again, where, you know, we're at the point now where we've got, uh, you know, age truncated species that, you know, we don't have any older flounder anymore. You know, we don't have any large, you know, flounder anymore. You know, uh, same thing on striped bass. You know, I was just talking to, I was talking to another guy earlier today that fishes, you know, he probably catches more striped bass than any other fisherman in North Carolina. And he said, you know, we don't see any big fish anymore. No. We're all the big fish. So uh, we got to, we got to build this fishery back up or it's, you know, and that's, you know, there's some short term pain to do that, but it'll be for the long term. Yeah. 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 That's the thing is we got to look at all this long term. It's not about, I want to be able to go catch, you know, my limit of these fish and put them in my cooler next year. Um, you know, there's sacrifice that's going to be have to made from, from every side. Um, and to sit back and to act like there's not an issue anymore, is just not acceptable. You know, it's, it's not acceptable. So, um, well, cool. I can't think, is there anything else that you wanted to go over, um, that had to do with that part of this podcast? I know we're going to talk a little bit about a tournament that's coming up, but, um, anything else as far as the lawsuit goes or, or the issues that we're dealing with here in North Carolina? Yeah, the only other thing I should mention is if you go to the website, I think the third thing that you can do is actually join CCA. Gotcha. So, you know, that whole thing about getting involved um, and being a part of something, you know, it's uh, um, it's easy to stand on the sidelines and, and be an armchair quarterback. But at some point, if you really care about what's going on, you need to get in the game. And again, you know, that's by being educated, you know, joining CCA, being a part of what's going on and being a meaningful voice for the resource. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, tell us um, about. I know we talked about this pre-recording uh, a little bit, uh, but the pot or not the podcast, the uh, the tournament that y'all are uh, are coming up with here in December for speckle trout. Yeah, so we're uh, we had a really good uh, tournament this summer, um, based out of Wilmington. The Cape our Cape Fear chapter kind of hosted it. Um, and so we had a really good time with, uh, with, uh, I angler, uh, doing a completely, uh, catch and release tournament. Uh, everything's by photographs and, uh, uh, measuring. Um, and so we, we wanted to do something again, this, you know, towards the end of the year. And so we, we put together an idea for a trout tournament cause we, we made a decision not to have trout included in the summertime tournament yeah. because kind of where it was based. And anyway, so we want to do something, you know, trout fishing was great this time of year, last year. Uh, we're hoping it will get better. You know, we were talking about everybody's kind of seeing some struggles in a lot of areas right now because, you know, it just won't cool off. You know, we need to get some, some cooler temperatures. So we're going to wait until December and we're going to kind of do this in conjunction with our release over 20 commitment. Yeah. You know, awesome. um, you know, we, we, we love that uh, being a part of the release over 20 uh, campaign. I hope everybody knows about it. I don't know if we need to repeat that or not, but you know, we want to we want to promote, continue to promote releasing large fish. I've seen everybody. It seems like every tackle shop uh, around is doing some sort of trout tournament right now. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing a lot of are kill tournaments. 
uh, where you got to bring in the big fish and weigh it. So we're going to lose a lot of big fish, you know, to these tournaments. Right. And so kind of our concept goes back to the whole conservation of, you know, let them spawn. You know, we got to let these big fish uh, go and spawn and, and produce some more trout for us. So we're going to do a, a complete catch and release tournament with the uh, iAngler app. Uh, it was pretty easy to use. Um, and we're going to start uh, in December, December 11th, run it through the first of the year, run it through January 3rd. Uh, we're going to base it out of uh, Newburn this 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 time. We've got a Noose River chapter, and uh, Donald Willis is one of our big supporters. He's got a shop there called Custom Marine Fabrication, a mm-hmm. uh, big tackle shop dealer in that area. So we'll probably do a captain's party uh, to kick it off, um, depending on you know we had a we had a good time down in Wilmington, even though the COVID restrictions, we had everybody outside and. Um, I wasn't sure how many people came at, would come out, but I will say this, that there wasn't any beer left uh, <laughs> at the end of the, the captain's party. So uh, I think people are just, you know, people are fed up with staying in the house. And they want to get out. And we hope the tournament will give them a chance to, to get out and be a part of it. And we want it to be kind of a, a longer term where you're not just, you know, hitting one day and, you know, one person gets lucky with a big fish. So we're spread it out over uh, the month of December. Uh, starting, like I said, December 11th through January 3rd. Um, uh, there'll be, what we're we looking at, aggregate scoring. I guess the top winner will be a total of three, large, three longest catches. So everything's measured gotcha. instead of waves. Mm-hmm. You're measured on a, on a measuring tape. So your aggregate of your three largest trout, and you can report every time you catch fish, and eye angler will keep up with it. So if you get a bigger fish, you don't have to like worry about culling your your entries. It'll it'll all add up. It'll bump the them for you. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, um, it's only thirty five dollars to join. It's open to CCA members and non members. Uh, there'll be an opportunity to to sign up as and be a, become a member if you'd like to. That'll be an added feature, but we want it to be open to everybody. Uh, we've got some commitments from some sponsors. You're going to get as part of the thirty five dollar sign up. You get three packs of Eye Strike. Uh, Texas eye jigs. Nice. Uh, you're going to get a pack of Slam Shadies, you know, the Sweet. soft plastic. Uh-huh. Our friends at uh, uh, Salt Strong, uh, 10% Daiwa card, 10% off Daiwa card um, that'll be accepted at most tackle shops. Um, and of course, you'll get a release over 20 sticker uh, to remind you of that. Yeah. Uh, Regulator Marine is our big biggest sponsor, our big cash sponsor that's uh, helping us out with this. But again, we got Daiwa, Salt Strong, Eastern Currents on board, I Strike, and Release Over 20. Um, so we'll have, it'll all be prizes again, but we'll have over $4,000 worth of prizes. We'll have some good stuff stuff there and guarantee that uh, uh, the first place guy is going to take home at least, what is it, 1000 bucks worth of, uh, uh, well, it's 750 Top retail value on first place is $750, $500, So we'll play the, pay, play the, pay the top three finishers awesome 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 yeah well sweet yeah that's exciting so do you have to fish that newburn area or up along the pamlico or can you fish anywhere in north carolina yeah anywhere in north carolina okay anywhere in north carolina cool yeah cool yeah that's awesome and we'll have the we'll have the the main thing about the captain's party is giving people a central location to pick up wristbands but we'll do the same thing like we did last time so we'll have them at you know different locations around the state like texas tackle um, was one of the people giving them out last year, and so there'll be other places where you can. You, you just awesome. got to get your wristband. Cool. 
Yeah. Cool deal. Well, I'm excited about that one. I'm, I have to come up to that captain's party because that sounds like it'll be a fun time. Maybe crash at Matthew's house or something. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but yeah, yeah well, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, and I think maybe as we progress in this, if, if new stuff comes to light and, you know, we need to, you know, uh, you know, just it's a good platform to share what's going on with, with you know, with a decent amount of people that listen here in North Carolina and other states. I think it's important that other states are hearing what's going on here um, and, and we can just kind of raise awareness across the board because we do have quite a few listeners in South Carolina and Texas and Georgia and Florida. Um, and so it, it's, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt for, you know, somebody in Texas or Florida to join CC, North Carolina CCA because they, you know, they have this great fishery and they care about that being uh, something that we can have up and down the coast. So, if you're listening from from out, outside of state, think about that, and uh, I think that'd be be a cool option. You got anything else, yeah. Mike? No, I think I'm good. Right on. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, David. Uh, is there anything else you want to share before we, we end this podcast? No, I'm I'm good. I appreciate the opportunity, and happy to come back anytime and give you guys an update. Yeah, definitely. We we'll, need to, maybe we can talk about maybe we can talk about fishing sometime yeah, too. <laughs> we need to. We'll do like a little right. five minute, you know, fishing to end it all. So. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, guys, thank you all so much for checking out this episode of Eastern Current. Uh, we will be back to tackle tips and, and fishing and that kind of stuff next week. Uh, but thank you all again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Later.